Hi Chris, how are you? Good evening Rod, I'm very well on a very squidgy day in my garden. We've had hail in the, in the last hour. I'm glad we haven't got hail because if we had, it, all it would do is pit the lawn I think because it's so boggy and uh, I have to cross the lawn to get to my recording studio or shed as I call it. Well, people can see a bit of your shed now if they choose to watch us on YouTube. Yeah, and you'll see some pictures and a Beano from 1982 and a Lego Bugatti Chiron, I think it is, from about four years ago it came out, um, which is hung on the wall on the side. Chiron or Veyron? It's the Chiron. Uh, It's the newer one. The Veyron was the original 10-ton beast and then they replaced it with the Chiron, I think. Never a car I'm going to drive, own, and maybe a Lego one's the closest thing I'll ever get to it. I think that's where I ended up. And it was a cool build, actually, so I would recommend it. Anyway, it's episode 109. It's the 22nd of February, so we're recording a little bit early because one of us is going skiing and one of us is not. Um, so enjoy your holly bobs, Rod. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to whinge too much about a skiing holiday, really, because, of course, you're going for fun and all the rest of it, but you've still got all the getting up super early. There's a lot more physical activity than there is in most holidays. But, you know, it's fantastic. So I'm I'm privileged to be going. I'm in a privileged position. I recognize that. It looks like there's going to be snow, which is even better. And, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. A skiing holiday with snow, win-win. It is win-win. I did try to go once, I want to say, in 2018, whenever the Beast from the East was. And failed miserably because there was so much snow I couldn't leave the UK. So okay. things can happen. Yeah, this is true. Sadly, we haven't had any snow. Anyway, should we get into the show, into follow-up? Let's get into the show. We're going to, I always say we'll rattle through this and then an hour and a half later we're still talking, but we'll see how we go with this. So follow-up, like you say, first story, we've talked about them a few times on this show. And with Apple being a bit odd at the moment, I like to cast my eyes a bit wider. And this is Framework, the people that build the modular laptops that you can upgrade over time. They're great, but they're quite expensive. Anyway, as of today, actually, they've announced you can get a $499 variant of the 13-inch one. I think that's a pretty good deal. That is a pretty good deal. And my son would love a laptop that you could modify like this. I think that'd be right up his street. I think it's a great thing. You know, it's a good price. It comes with an i7. All right. It's a couple of generations old. It's not going to be the best battery preserving thing in the world, but that's a lot of processor in a decent computer with a half decent screen. It's going to be a reasonable size. When the battery goes, you can swap it out for another one. Fire some Linux on this. You've got a great computer. I think that's the thing, isn't it? You can just swap the components out when you need to, which would be a nice place to be. Yeah, totally. You know, put a big SSD in this, a load of RAM. You're going to be a pretty happy camper running this. Yeah, no, I think this looks like a good device. Yeah, with the exception of you ain't, you ain't playing games on it particularly, but um, you can do everything else. Good machine. Would consider were I not such a Mac head. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Fair enough. Moving on. You talked about this last week, so it felt appropriate for follow-up. There's a report on the verge of one month with Microsoft's Copilot Pro. You said last, I say last week, you said three days ago that you were trying a little bit of Copilot at work. Have you had any thoughts on this? I don't know too much about the Pro, but I'm just using regular Copilot. I just find Copilot to be a little bit buggy. I, I tried to get it to summarize some data and it just went thinking about it. And then I said, can you, you know, color in everything over 50% in red? And it went, uh, and then went, no. So... I don't think I'd be in a rush to upgrade to the Pro version until the basic one works, if that makes sense. Um, So I'm a bit mixed with it. And I think because it's still quite new to me, it's not as sticky as it might be. So I think maybe it's, hopefully I'll come back in a month's time and go, do you know what, I'm using it all the time because fair play to Microsoft, they've put the Copilot icon 
everywhere. When, you, uh, when you're in Word and you move your cursor, the Copilot icon is on the line that you're on where your cursor is because they are trying to get you to use Copilot for everything. Yeah, so you've got six pounds or dollars a month Copilot, presumably as part of your business thing. This is $20 a month for Copilot Pro. Uh, what it gives you is access to the newer uh, OpenAI API, so you get DALI, which is a image drawing thing, uh, three. I think that's the most up-to-date one. So if you click on the Linked Verge article, you can see a lovely photorealistic image of a dash and dreaming of bacon and a UPS man imagined for the, you know, back in the past. And then there's some additional things that Excel gives you and, and uh, Word gives you. Summarizing, making graphs, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. I don't know if I'd say fair play to Microsoft for building it in. They're betting the farm on AI. I'm not surprised they're sticking it absolutely everywhere. They are betting the farm, and it's obviously true Microsoft to have multiple tiers to, to fleece you for. So they've done what Microsoft will do, lots of licensing, lots of different tiers, pulling it everywhere. I still think it's got some way to go. I fear they've jumped a little too early on the bandwagon, is my view. But maybe in six months from now, I'll be eating my own words. The summary of this is that the most useful thing in this is the email summary and outlook. So those big long email chains that will distill it down for you. You're not you're nodding here, so I guess you agree with that too. Yeah, summarizing text is a really helpful feature for it. I'm kind of with you. My limited interactions with ChatGPT is it does have some uses for generating, particularly marketing type text stuff like that and doing summaries. I wouldn't trust it for much more though. Agreed, and I think you've still got the nervousness if you've used it for marketing text. Is it correct if you use it for a summary? Do you just want to go and read it just to make sure your interpretation is the same? I think we've just got to build that trust in it. Yeah, fair enough. Moving on, uh, again, we talked, we touched on this last show and it just seemed appropriate to put it in follow-up. Uh, one password I said I was going to be starting to look, not to change, but just to get a feel for what else is out there in case I did want to change. Looks to be on an acquisition hunt. They've bought Collide, which is sort of a, an identity management platform for your, for your workforce. I think they do some sort of device management stuff as well. There's quite a lot built into Collide. So that's quite a big purchase for them. Yeah, I didn't see this coming. Um, I'm aware that 1Password had a lot of investment. And I guess if you're growing out your business, you kind of want to go into other areas other than just password management because to be fair to them, they seem to be doing a pretty good job at it. Um, Collide, yeah, I think do mobile device management, MDM stuff. Um, and all of that. So it probably seems like a good high. If you're going in the corporate space, why not? I Like I said, I didn't see it's coming, but in hindsight, it seems like a good idea. Yeah, so their sort of story in this is it's going to allow businesses to be secure when they're interacting with platforms such as Databricks, Robinhood, Discord, and others. Discord's an interesting platform. It's a bit of a Wild West as far as I can see. It's like a forum, but without the sort of backups and the ability to scroll back and pin posts and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not entirely clear who owns the data that goes into Discord. I suspect that there may be slightly dodgy practices going on there. Ooh, interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. It's very popular, particularly among podcasters. I know like Upgrade and some of the some of their shows use Discord as their messaging platform for managing the subscriptions with users. So I can see why this is a natural sort of fit for a company like 1Password, securing your data, making sure where things go. At the end of the day, you're just managing a login, though, or a device's access to another platform where that data is going somewhere else. So there's a missing link in that chain there. Maybe that's their next acquisition. Yeah, but to be fair to 1Password, they've got a good name. They've got a good brand. You know, people associate security with it, so they should use that brand on more things. So I, 
I think it makes sense. I just hope they don't take their eye off the one password ball, you know, the vaults, because that's what we know and love them for. You don't want them then to neglect what they're so good at. No, I think that's fair. Quite often, as you buy more things, you spread yourself a bit thin, don't you? Uh, yeah. Moving on, another bit of follow-up, and this isn't surprising, it's just worth touching on, is Apple is reportedly working on AI updates for Spotlight and Xcode. Both natural fits for it. You want your Spotlight searches to be smarter. You want to tell it to summarize uh, this and Xcode for code completion in the same way that, that Copilot AI started for Microsoft in Visual Studio. So I think this is reasonable. Yep. It's cool. I'm super curious to see what Apple do. Are they just going to take Microsoft's playbook of Copilot or are they going to do something a bit different? It'd be interesting to see. And a bit of competition for Microsoft in this space with a pl- another platform vendor is going to be interesting. Yeah, I think it's a good thing. I agree with you. It'll be interesting to see what Apple does in terms of on-device rather than in-cloud because that's definitely their strength and what they push from a security point of view. So, yeah, interesting. Should we move on to the news then? I think that's follow-up. Let's move on to the news. So when the iPhone 15 launched, you and I said they had a number of gates. There was case gates and battery gates and brake gates and you know all manner of other things. And one of the things that came, there were a few reports saying the iPhone 15 had worse battery life than previous iPhones. In fact, I was just saying the other day, I think my iPhone 13 Pro, two years old, was actually better than my iPhone 15 Pro's battery. And again, you're nodding, so I think you feel the same. But apparently there's about to be an update, or there has been an update, where the battery is actually better than it was before. So this is interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. So I am running the beta actually on my phone. I wanted to try it out for a reason, which we'll discuss in a minute, because we've got another article coming up. But I installed this, and actually I hadn't realised, but my battery capacity is still at 100%. And while I bought it in September, it's now February. And I'd have expected by now it to have eroded a little bit. So maybe what they've done with the 15 is whilst it may not hold an amazing charge, maybe actually they've worked on the robustness of the maximum capacity. So I think the battery doesn't last as long, and that may be because it's got the A17 Pro or whatever the chip is they stuck in the thing this year. Maybe it's got that in it. And that's draining more battery. So it does feel like it doesn't hold its charge for as long. But maybe the battery health lasts a lot longer. That's that's how I'm reading this. Yeah, and they've built into the software this only charge up to 80% and sort of hold it there kind of thing for the last couple of versions of the iPhone. They're saying here that you're going to have a 1,000 charging cycles from a phone and maintain 80% battery life as opposed to 500 charging cycles uh, as they previously reported. So I'm, I'm with you. This is about battery health more than sort of seeing a longer battery life. But maybe those two things are related. Yeah, for me, I think this is great because I'm probably going to end up passing this phone on to somebody. I I can pass it down to a family member and it's going to be all right because batteries are the first thing to go. Yeah, and we've got a few stories about Apple Beaters, but we spiced them up. So moving on, uh, and this is going to surprise nobody, I think, that both Meta and Microsoft have asked the EU to reject Apple's new App Store terms. So that we had hints of this, I think, but this is now a formal application to the EU to say that they do not like what's going on with uh, Apple's proposed changes to the App Store in Europe. And that's, uh, you know, the water wet, sky blue stuff, I think, at this stage. It's quite late in the day, though, isn't it? Again, we talked about this three days ago in the fact that we don't know how Apple's application is actually going to be received by the EU. Is it a case of, that's not good enough, go away and fix it, or will the EU go with it and try and litigate later to fix the things that they don't like, or somewhere in between? But the thing that makes me think a little bit about this is this is two other big companies who are going to have to do similar stuff within the DMA. So they have their own vested interests in Apple being looked at so they can know how much to get away with down the line. 
Yeah, that's a fair point. Are they going to be, you know, stones and glass houses and stuff in, in a few months' time? But it is interesting. I just think Apple's left everything very late, so there's not much time to make changes um, to comply with the law. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I don't think the public beta's come out yet either. So they've released the developer beta, but not the public one. Whereas normally that comes out the next day when it's at this far through the development cycle. So maybe they are waiting for some feedback. I don't know. Developers are definitely more important in this particular story, though, because they've got to get these marketplaces spun up. They've got to understand the implications of it and all the rest of it. So I understand. But wouldn't it be ironic if the day that the final build of this comes out, the EU go, no, <laughs> we're not having any of that. Yeah, and you need to make these changes. So it's yeah, it going to be interesting. Yeah, if you are you know, building an alternative marketplace based on what Apple's done and they go, actually, none of this applies. It's going to be all up in the air. That could be an awful lot of wasted time and effort for somebody. I feel like Apple in the EU and anybody trying to be compliant with the DMA, they need a more open dialogue or certainly more open than we're seeing. And certainly from other podcasts and, and uh, toots I see on Mastodon, it's just as opaque to everybody. Yeah, we've seen literally nothing. It's really weird, isn't it? It's, they've announced it and then nothing. It's just very bizarre. Yeah, it's very strange. Another, as usual, a story to keep an eye on. More Apple news. Apparently, iMessage is being built to defend the next generation of quantum computer hacks. Yeah, I saw that. And that's going to start rolling out to all of us. It's a, you know improved version of encryption. It comes with 17.4 that we're all going to get. But I think, if I remember correctly, I was read about it, they're going to roll it out slowly to everybody. Um, again, I wonder if this is why we had the C dropped earlier in the 17 cycles where you can upgrade to iMessage in the cloud, I think it's called, or Messages in the cloud, which your phone just moved over to, I think on 17.2, and your Mac. And so I wonder whether that was some of the pre-engineering to then launch this feature. So they do seem to be doing a lot of these things in the background, you know, dealing with tech debt, trying to improve things. They've done a lot this year for security. If you think about your stolen device protection, you've got the don't allow access to my iCloud data in from the website, if you know what I mean. You can you can disable that. You've got stronger controls around your phone and things. There's loads they seem to have done around the security side. So I think fair play to Apple. They I don't think they get enough um, enough love or praise when they do this kind of thing because nobody will really notice this, but it is better. This is the way, though, isn't it? That it's the bad news that people remember you for, not the good news. And although they're powering ahead, and you know we're going to talk about their hardware in a minute as well, Apple hardware is unstoppable at the moment. They make some of the best phones and the best laptops and the best iPads, watches, etc., that they've ever made. And quite often it's let down by the software. So when they do things like this, I think it's a good thing that they do it. Again, the slightly cynical part of me will thinks, well, maybe this is to say they can't take part in the federated messaging platform. Should iMessage ever get big enough to be part of that? Where, where they're sharing that encryption because, oh no, our encryption is at such a high standard, we can't do that. I shouldn't stop the Federation, though, but hopefully that will stop the uh, backdoor police. Well, hopefully. Yeah, the backdoor police being the police. The police, and they <laughs> want to backdoor into all your iMessages. Exactly. Do you want to tell us about new potential dimensions for the iPad Air and the iPad Pro? Yeah, I was quite happy to read this one, and I love that the article's got the current dimensions and the new dimensions. So I was looking at this in that I've got an iPad uh, Pro, the current one, which is, well, I say the current one, I haven't got the latest M2, but I think it's the same chassis. So the current one is 280.6 mil wide. The potential new one, the new Pro, will be 281.5 mil wide, so slightly wider, just marginally, that's on the long, the long edge. And then the other dimension 
will be um, 215.5 so and compared to 214 so, so it's again just slightly bigger all round so I do wonder here are we going to get a slightly bigger screen do you know is it going to be like a 13 inch screen just that little bit more and but the real dimension and this is on the pro is that it'll be five mil deep whereas the current one is 6.4 so quite saving there I think already the iPad is one of the thinnest iOS based devices they do so the iPad Pro is looking quite interesting already and it's not even out this may not even be true but normally case manufacturers need these dimensions to make cases so I've got to assume it's happening and then conversely they've there's going to be an iPad Air 12.9 inch as well so it's going to be interesting to see how this is going to work how they're going to differentiate the lines but it sounds like slightly bigger screen thinner body I'm quite excited by this this is this is this is a good start so the thinking is this is because of the new OLED screens the iPads are going to have you're saving a bit of depth because they're obviously slimmer than the LCDs that they're replacing. So yeah, this is good. Just to allude to what I said a minute ago, knocking out of the park with hardware, hardware, but this will be held back from you by software. Yeah, and Stephen Trout-Smith on Mastodon said exactly that. The hardware sounds amazing, but the software needs to come on the journey too. So will there be any new updates to iPadOS in relation to this? We're going to have to watch this space. I'm assuming we're going to have an event soon because March is coming. So I'm, I'm looking forward to something. Um, but I think this is encouraging. I'm really curious to see what these changes mean for us. So um, um, it's, the uh, rumour mill is starting early for me. So I'm just saying here, if there's an event while I'm away, you've got to do it solo. Yeah, there'll be lots of questions for you. How do I upload I'll, it? How do I do it? How do I keep the conversation going on my own? I'll be halfway up an alp. It's all on you. Moving on, apparently we're going to get a bit of a, a look-see for those of us with the right kind of cars. Uh, on the new instrument cluster experience for CarPlay. So this has been coming for a while. Apple teased it with, I want to say, Porsche and Aston Martin, I think. Yes, that's correct. This is the reason why I updated my phone to the new version of iOS, because on my BMW, you can have CarPlay on the main screen, you can have the map in the in between the cluster from Apple Maps, and you get the directions in the heads-up display. But this is slightly different in that this update so before when i was driving along in the cluster i'd see where i'm going you know the road i'm taking but it wouldn't tell me what time i would be there how many miles how long it's going to take that would be on the main entertainment screen but that would also show me the route i'm taking this update though is strange in that you can either have the route you're taking on the main screen or the route you're taking on the cluster you have to push a button to flip it between the two so that one's showing you the overview of the route and the other screen's showing you what you're doing you can't have both screens show you the same so it's, it's a bit of an odd update obviously this isn't what it's designed for they're obviously making these changes for cars that have got the the full os if that makes sense whereas mine obviously has all the bmw OS around the, the portion of the window that's for the Apple Maps. So that's why I installed it just to try it out. And it's okay. But it, I I think it's a bit of a regression because I like to have it on both screens, the, the thing. Because sometimes my kids like to watch the map and see how long we got left. And, but I like it in the cluster because I don't have to look over at the entertainment screen. So it's a bit of an odd one. Maybe they're ironing out the kinks. But there's probably not many people that have a car like mine where you can get the Apple Map on the cluster in the version of CarPlay because I don't think lots of cars do that. So I hired a Peugeot through work about four years ago, and it did. So it maintained that kind of thing where you could have the Apple map in the instrument cluster, sort of behind the speedometer on the on the instrument panel in front of you. So I don't think it's as uncommon as you think it is. It just depends on the 
obviously how tech savvy that the car company is that's putting it there. But yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. I'm curious to see where they go with it. I want to see more updates to CarPlay because it feels like one of those things. It's great. Lots of people use it, but they've never really done a lot with it to move it forward that much. I want it to have its Apple TV year. The Apple TV had a great year this year. Can CarPlay have that next year? Just change it, give it a bit more functionality. People want to do more in their cars now. Yeah, it might be might be the year of CarPlay, you never know. I mean, I find every so often there's features in CarPlay I didn't even really know about. I was watching a review of a new electric vehicle on YouTube, and the guy popped up a EV charging option from the bottom of the map. Tap the thing, EV charging route's on my way. That's great, but of course, unless you've got... There is no built-in communication with a car for part of that. So some of the other things, like Better Route Planner, you can have... I want to, I'll get the, the, the acronym wrong, ODB dongle. Um, which you can plug into the car, which will communicate some of the car's onboard features. So in that case, it will communicate state of charge to the mapping app and it can work out the route that you're going to take. I think there's a bit of variance between them. They're about 5% off because whatever they send through the ODB dongle is not as up to date as what the actual battery is showing you in the car, but it's better than nothing. And Apple Maps struggles with that, that kind of thing. So maybe they need to sell an Apple ODB dongle for all vehicles that would give you this kind of information and they could build that kind of data into the uh, into the route planning as well because it's very limited without it. I guess they want to say the whole car experience and that's what, what they're doing with Aston Martin and Porsche. But no, you're right. CarPlay is kind of sitting there like like a Trojan horse kind of thing. It's 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 in the it's showing you on the screens and you're interacting with it, but it's not communicating with the rest of the car. So it can give you mixed messages. Like my car will spot the road sign and say it's a forty mile an hour limit, but Apple Maps might go it's a fifty mile an hour limit. So and it is odd when you've got two things telling you the speed limit, but most people won't know that they're different computers. So it's it's hard to explain. Did we not do a story about BMW not being able to read Welsh road signs? I seem to remember we did. Quite possibly, I can't remember. I think that was a thing. Uh, sticking with the vaguely Apple mapping experience rather than CarPlay, apparently Apple is in the process of launching an eight-month project to improve Apple Maps data in the UK. I think this is quite a good thing for those of us in the UK. We're quite often the red-headed stepchild of st- that's still an appropriate thing to say about getting our map updates. And I've seen Apple cars driving around with LiDAR and things on the roof in the UK collecting and updating mapping data so I guess this just means we're going to get another round of it. Yeah I was quite surprised by this because I thought our maps were pretty good in the UK but great if they want to invest a bit more money in us I'm, I'm definitely up for it. Yeah I mean the US gets updated a lot they got the new Apple Maps experience well before we did I mean unsurprisingly San Francisco was the first place updated I think but we got it pretty quickly after that I've never felt more than like a couple of months behind the US and the UK. I think, to be fair to them, they've done a fantastic job with it in keeping it timely updated. Well, we might have a little story about worst Apple products ever, and Apple Maps might feature in that too. So, yeah, it's it's improved over the years, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. Moving on, uh, apparently, and this is from Michael Sy's blog, uh, just a few little stories about Apple being fined. I think it's 538 million euros or $538 million, $500 million euros, for breaking EU law over access to music streaming services. So this is steering people towards Apple Music, as opposed to Spotify or, uh, or one of the other potential services. Even for a company the size of Apple, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money, but I'm sure they can afford it. They can, but this is... Uh, maybe I've said tip of the iceberg too much recently, but... There's a lot buried within this because we know part of the Digital Markets Act is Spotify pushing for to look at Apple, to look at their anti-competitive practices. 
And if they're getting fined 500 million now, before all this comes to light with some of the court cases that are ongoing, both in the in the states and the EU and the UK, there's a lot about to drop here. And in the light of everything we've just talked about with the betas and not knowing what's going on, it feels to me like the company might be a bit under siege shortly. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, they, they're they're fighting battles on so many fronts, though, aren't they? Constantly because they're so big, and they're they're into so many things. Can you imagine how many? legal cases they must have on at any one time just whether it's to do with the film they're making their music platform their messaging you know hardware failures all these gates they have to deal with it must be insane just the, yeah the sheer quantum of things they're running but it doesn't help you know if you're going to have a judgment brought against you by the eu saying your actions are illegal in this particular music steering way how well do they look on your proposed changes to the app store? How well do they look on your inclusion of iMessages, you know, as, as a, a platform of note and all the rest of it? It's amazing they got away with that. But all of these things have got to influence. They're going to bias the, the, the people listening to them is basically what I'm saying. Because we're all human beings. It's not a surprise that regulators might get annoyed that, hang on, why is this Apple stuff coming up again? It's the same sort of thing. They're going to start to get slapped down. Yeah, it's not a great time to be an Apple um evangelist i'm going to say i think that's the right word yeah we're not at the height of our, our powers really are we uh, in the same way that i wouldn't try and tell anybody a tesla at the moment can i do a quick bit of cheeky follow-up of course you can so with uh, apple mapping the country you prompted me a few months ago i saw google car uh driving around near where i live and i've just gone and checked and i've sent you a screen grab but they filmed me walking out my house. Um, so if you go past my house, I am there. My car's parked on the drive and I'm there. Um, but I, I hadn't thought about it for a long time because I remember seeing it because I literally just came out the house and was like, oh, you know, it's it's a Google streetcar. And now I am walking out my house. So there you go. And they've thankfully, they've blurred my face out. But um, you can tell it's me. Immortalized. I remember when Google were starting to do their street view stuff and there was a podcast I was listening to. It was one of the This Week in Tech podcasts uh, from Leo Laporte's um, Twit House, I think he called it. I need to say that very carefully or we'll, we'll lose our clean tag. And one of the podcasts I worked with him was a guy called Patrick who used to wear kilts all the time. He was an American guy and he wore kilts. And you can see him coming out of Leo Laporte's office smoking a cigarette wearing his kilt. And for a long time, that was the default picture of you to go look at the Twit offices. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's useless tech history for anybody, that. <laughs> well, there you go. Anyway, if you look at my house, you can see me walk out and I've just sent you the picture so you can enjoy that. But, dear listeners, we might not share if Chris's house directly with you. No, possibly uh, not, but I, I saw it was interesting, so there you go. Moving along, a story in Ars Technica about Reddit selling its training data to an unnamed AI company ahead of its IPO. So this is the other shoe dropping on them, trying to get their house in order with all their moderators and charging, getting rid of APIs and all the rest of it. It's because, unsurprisingly, they want to sell the data. Reddit's not a nice company, is it? This is my concern that Reddit has turned out to not be a nice company. I'm going to say this word carefully and hopefully not lose a clean tag again. This is just shitification again. You know, it's embrace, extend, extinguish. It's put, make it a nice place, get the users in, start screwing out your users, start screwing your developers, sell off everything. That's what it is. And this is Reddit as a case in point doing it. And my discomfort with Discord, there's probably a song or a poem in there somewhere, is that they're probably doing the same thing, but just doing it far less explicitly than I think Reddit did. Do Reddit not have enough money from adverts? Sure, they've got enough users. They can make a business be sustainable and do it in the right way. You don't need to do this, surely. I mean, it's an amazing source of content, isn't it? You know, when when Reddit searches disappeared out of Google and DuckDuckGo results for how do you do a thing, I think the quality of the web went down quite a lot. 
you know, when you're trying to get solutions. So there are actual tangible results within Reddit of human beings answering questions and, you know, m providing high quality data. That's such a goldmine for somebody who's trying to create an AI model. Yeah, agreed. I've just, I'm, I'm angry because I'm not a big Reddit user, but it had a very loyal fan base, as Apple have a very loyal fan base. And they've turned themselves against it a little bit. And some people will, will will live through it but others will, will walk away from the platform and i just yeah. think do you need to do it i agree it's not a good it's not a great look as you'd say moving on uh, a second link from uh, michael sai who often links to lots of good stories uh, i gotta say but apparently this is a report of your mac app being slowed down by a malware scan from apple so this is what are they doing in the background every time you go to launch an app that they're potentially scanning for malware? Now, on one level, you think, well, that's good, isn't it? That's the platform vendor looking out. But at the same time, that cycles. If you're Microsoft Office, the last thing you need is the actual operating system slowing down the launch of your applications. And I think SSDs and faster processors have, have moved away from this. We don't notice slowing, missing cycles quite as much as we would have done once upon a time. But anything that slows your computer down is not a great thing. No, and this is where Apple's got to get the balance. You know, is it phoning home on the internet before it launches? So, you know, if you've got a slow internet connection, it's not going to help. I get they're trying to do the right thing, but maybe there's a better way of doing it. Yeah, if you want the ultimate performance from your computer, if you've bought the top end, you know, uh, Apple Silicon chip with all the RAM and all the rest of it, and you've tuned the hell out of it to get it working the way you do, the only way you can stop this happening is to turn off system integrity protection. That's upsetting for a high-end user. Yeah, you shouldn't need to do that. You shouldn't need to do that. At the same time, I see the security balance. You know, you don't want malware spreading across the Mac ecosystem. No, that is true. That is true. Last story then for the news. Apple's launched a sports app. I don't know how I feel about this. So this is an app that integrates in some way with Apple TV and will give you scores and betting odds for whatever league is in process at that time. It's all American, so it's Major League Soccer, NBA, MLB, NFL... I think the NCAA, I think that's like the college football league. I think it might be. This is a bit weird. Why is this an app separate to something that's not like the journal app is the first thing I think about. Why is it iPhone only and maybe iPhone, you know, and only for Apple TV Plus customers? Why isn't it on your iPad? Why isn't it on your Mac? Why is it, you know, there's so many unanswered questions. And why the company that doesn't like betting stuff are they resolving odds for sports games? Why? Why, 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 why? I've got some why. It's been possibly not as many as you. So I saw this and thought, yeah, kind of makes sense. It's been rumoured for a while. It's still in news, though. So either put it in news or put it in sports. I don't need it in both places. I'm not a big sports person. For me, there's no Formula 1 in there, so it's not much use. But I did have a look at it. It's got the Premiership in there, which is the Premier Football League here in the UK. So I thought, fantastic. My son will love that on his iPad because he wants to see the scores. And then I was like, oh, it's not on the iPad. And then I was like, that's my first why. Why is it on the iPad? My son would love it. He's not old enough to have a phone. I, don't, I really don't want him having another screen in his life right now. But I thought this app would be great for him. He can just check on the scores. He loves he loves all the scores, the numbers, but it just seems odd. And I agree with you on the betting thing. That just does not sit right with Apple. I don't know if you've tried it. I did install it to have a look for my son. But some of the design's a little bit different. Like I say a button, like a, a, a grayed out oval shape with some words in it. it just looks a different design language and i do wonder whether this is giving us a hint towards the future design direction ios is going to take it just seems very odd to me but apple is not doing a very good job of demonstrating here's a simple app 
that's on all our platforms. They can't seem to do it, and I find that really bizarre. Why? Why aren't they doing what they're preaching? They keep bringing up more apps, but not on ev- not everywhere. It's very strange. It is a bit odd, and I, I recant my earlier statement. I see Bundesliga, the Italian league, Serie A, and others are also on here as well as some American sports, and obviously the Premiership too. None of the sports I follow, rugby or uh, MotoGP, are on this. It's of absolutely no interest to me, and but, maybe that's part of it. You know, they don't want to push you down your throat. But th- it's, there's just so much here. I agree with your take that why are they putting design things here? Why isn't it in the App Store? Why isn't it consistently released across the platforms? Why not allow the users to bring in whatever sports that they want for the sports that they follow? What about golf? What about tennis? You know, there's all sorts of very big popular sports. Cricket, you know, in India and the UK is a massive sport. No sign of any ability to be able to cope with that. And that's very short-sighted, I think, of Apple. The world is just about football and American sports. I think it will come. I think this is a slow play. You'll then get it linked on Apple TV. Look, we own the rights to this. You can use our sports app. However, when I'm in Apple News, don't tell me to download Apple Sports when I've already downloaded it. Thank you very much. Inconsistent. And again, the betting makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah, so I do bet occasionally, but I must confess, it's probably once in a blue moon. I just have a flutter. And if I win, I win. And it's normally about £5. And then if I lose, I lose. But... I'm not keen on that in there. I just don't think that suits Apple and their brand. I'm I'm very surprised. I agree. An odd one. Apparently, it's very fast, though. Brilliant. I was going to say, though, thinking of, thinking of things that are surprising, shall we move on to our media first story? Yeah, our media first story. You and I have talked a couple of weeks in a row about how dull we've found Masters of the Air. Apparently, it's been very good for the platform, though, and brought lots of people over to watch it. So, yay? I'm not surprised by that, because I think people will come to it because, oh, I really want to watch it. I think a lot of people have struggled with Apple TV because they didn't know how to get it. And I think something like this will help. It will bring people over. So I'm surprised, though, it's broken records because I didn't find it very exciting. No, maybe we're more seasoned watchers of Apple TV. You know, Ted Lasso and For All Mankind and others are our high points for the platform. This is just fairly forgettable stuff. Agreed. I'll talk about I'll talk about the other fairly forgettable stuff because I'm going to move on from Masters of the Air. It's given us enough short time and talk about Criminal Record. I forced myself to finish watching it yesterday, so the final episode yeah, was on Wednesday. I saved the seventh and eighth ones because I thought I can only handle so much dull in my life. It's really bad actually, and I feel very sorry for Peter Capaldi and and, and Jumbo Kush who are terrific. The sound design is great. The editing is good. It looks really good. What a dull, terrible story, badly told. I don't know what to say. I can't believe you you went all the way to the end because there's so much TV to watch that I can't believe you've invested the effort into this. Um, I should try the first one, I think, just to either fully appreciate it. But sometimes I quite like stuff like that. I don't know. So I'm curious to know, but um, maybe I'll, I'll report back. Yeah, I would be interested if you do. I'd sunk five hours into it by the point I realised actually I'm wasting my life watching this, but I wanted to get to the end just to see if they stuck the landing and no, they didn't. Mm, now that is disappointing. Why don't I talk about two things I just want to briefly mention. One, I've just rewatched the film Tag. Have you ever seen this with John Hamm in it, Jeremy Rayner, a couple of others? Oh, it's cool. It's just about this group of guys who play Tag even when they're adults in the month of May every year for 20 odd years. I actually just quite enjoyed it. I just wanted to make very easy to watch. So there you go. And then finally, for those out there that do like Formula One, I've got two things. One's good, one's bad. Yay, Drive to Survive Season 6 comes out tomorrow on Netflix. 
it's great it's behind the scenes of formula one for last year but what i don't understand they do this every year they bring it out the week before the new season why don't you bring it out two months before the new season so we've got plenty of time to absorb it rather than having to watch it in within a week and also the problem they've had this year is you you've got you've got lewis hamilton in the trailer going uh, you know mercedes is my home i love mercedes and then obviously he's already announced he's leaving so if they had brought it out earlier they wouldn't have had that that news cycle it would probably feel a lot more relevant it just seems strange to me that they could have had a lot longer to air it than than what they're going to go with but there you go there's probably some weird licensing deal involving the rights expiring for the previous season or drumming up interest for the next one or something like that i'm sure there's something there but it just seems strange to me the season ended in november here we are about a week away from starting the next season and now we're going to release it you had two three months we have a similar situation in MotoGP where the, the premier rider who's risen for Honda for, I don't know, seven or eight years or something like that, has five world titles with him. Probably the winningest rider of all time next to Valentino Rossi has switched to Ducati. Uh, he's never ridden another motorcycle. So, well, not since he's got to the big classes. So it's the same sort of thing as Lewis Hamilton moving somewhere else as you've got somebody of that stature, Mark Marquez, moving to another bike. So I'm really quite excited for the next season. Yeah, we've got to wait a whole year, though, for Lewis to move. So... They've announced it, but he's now got to finish with his old team for a year. That must be awkward being in the garage going, yeah, I love you guys. You guys are amazing. I am going next year. Bye. Yeah, I'm not taking any of your secrets. Honest. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. Anyway, that's probably enough sport for our non-sporting, enduring listeners. Moving on, games, as usual, we've both got a dearth of things to talk about in games. It has been quite a poor show by both of us to try and do that, and it was Steam's Next Fest, and I was very determined to go and try out some of the demos, and I didn't. And then it was Steam's Play Together, and I didn't, and I just went back to Call of Duty, and that's very sad. Uh, But there are two stories we can at least talk about, one of which is vaguely related to things we've discussed before. Uh, Well, actually, both of them are. The first one is, we had a story, I want to say about six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, about running emulators for that abandonware software almost on iOS, so games like Super Monkey Ball and others um, couldn't be run. There was no way of doing it. iPhones don't support them. Security certificates expired, so you couldn't run them on original platforms. Uh, And there was now an emulator available where you could do that. And that's just news to say that there is additional code on github that you can get these things up and running now potentially for games like super monkey ball and older ones on an emulated platform and i think that's a cool thing it's a cool thing it is a cool thing because we should play some of the old old games i love retro stuff so yeah it's good yep and speaking of retro stuff if you were stupid enough to pick up a playstation portal which you and i both rubbished because we didn't understand it and all the reviews rubbished so this was the remote connection to your existing ps5 effectively you needed a ps5 preferably in your house preferably over a super fast network connection and then you could mirror what was on the playstation 5 without taking over the tv and we both went what's the point of that when you can run it on a laptop or uh, or something without having to spend 200 quid on quite a nice bit of hardware it was meant to be a lovely screen anyway someone has hacked it to run ps3 games and i just think that's terrific yeah that is cool that you can run emulated psp games i used to love my psp i'm amazed Microsoft and Sony haven't gone back to that portable market. I would be interested in a portal if I could have my son playing a game on the PlayStation and I could be playing on the PlayStation on my portal at the same time. But obviously there's not enough horsepower to do that. I am somebody that's currently looking for a second PlayStation 5 because I think it will help with my children and me in that hopefully we could all get a look in at some point. But one just isn't cutting the mustard at the moment. That's interesting. Is the PlayStation 5... 
five or it's 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 four or five years old at this point. I think the PS Five. It's sort of mid cycle. It's uh, I'm going to have to a look. You can talk about something clever. I don't think it's, it's old. that old. I would say 21, 20, 20, 21 maybe. I could be wrong, but they have released this slightly updated version. And you can tell it's the updated one because it's got a line in the side of it, which is quite visible. The joy of the new one, though, is you can, if you buy the digital one, which I have, in the new one, you can add a Blu-ray player on the side of it if you wanted the future, whereas with the previous version, you couldn't do that. It still looks odd, and I don't think the PS5 Slim is really that slim. It's still the same sort of thing. It's like a minor design update. So PlayStation 5, October 2019. No way. Yep. That can't be when it came out. Yep, it was announced the successor. Let me get this right. And sorry, I tell a lie. It was announced April twenty nineteen. Launched twenty twenty. So it's still four years old. Yeah. You 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 were closer than me. I would have said yeah. slightly newer than that because I had it the day it came out. Yeah, it's still four years old. So that's a midlife console now. You know, you've only got three four years of it left before they'll be talking PS six. Yeah, but I've got two two children of myself. I'm sure we get some. I just want to play Gran Turismo. I'm not. I'm not saying don't buy one. And you want to play Fortnite with your kids? I totally understand it. Actually, I don't understand it because I don't want to play Fortnite. But it's an option. I don't want to play Fortnite, but I have two children who want to play Fortnite. Fantastic. Anything else in games, Chris? No, not for me. But well, it's just around other PlayStation thing, though. So if I spent two hundred pounds on this PlayStation Portal for four hundred pounds, I can get a whole PlayStation, which I think is a much more. For me, I mean, I am privileged. I've got a big enough house. I've got two big TVs. But I just think it, the, the portal's not a good use of money. I 100% agree. If they can hack it to do, and I said PS3, I apologize, PSP games. If they can hack it to do a bit more than that, maybe run your old Nintendo games on it or something like that, that would be funny. It's I, I quite like these stories. It's a declaration of intent for a, a hardware platform that otherwise I think is just going to go away. If if hobbyists have got reason to buy it, then Sony might actually shift a few, even if it's not officially supported. Yeah, that's true. Maybe Maybe they're encouraging this development so they can shift a few. I would hope so, because again, the hardware is meant to be really nice. Yeah, it did look like it had a great screen, but I've not seen one in person. Anyway, moving on, main show. We deliberately didn't talk about this when it came out last Monday, because we were going to talk about it this time, and we did talk about it last year as well. Jason Snell has done his Six Colours State of the Nation report card, really, where he goes around on all the Apple platforms and he asks pundits, for want of a better word, bloggers, vloggers, people in the Apple sphere, he hasn't asked us yet, Chris, but we clearly need to keep going, to give their reports on how they feel the various platforms that Apple support at the moment are doing. And then he's got a year-by-year change. So you've got the generic, not generic, you've got the specific comments on each area from, from these people, and then he adds them into charts. Jason's very good at charts. And it's always a fascinating read, and I quite like to sort of flick through it to see if we agree with what's been said, really. So I thought we'd start at the top. There's the overall averages for 2023, which show a year-on-year change, which I don't think it's worth going into. And it's from 58 Apple Watchers, as he calls them, uh, across these uh, platforms. Um, But I thought we'd just go over the sort of change in platforms and then the specifics within it. So there's positive and negative to all these things. So I'll quickly fire through these. The Mac is unchanged. The iPhone is up 0.2. The iPad is down 0.6. The watch is down 0.8, the Apple TV is down 0.6, services are down 0.5, HomeKit up, hardware reliability up, software quality up, dev relations up, that surprises me. Uh, the environment and social, 
Uh, I think there's a bit of greenwashing going on with Apple, but I understand why they'd rate them higher. And then wearables way down at 0.9. So that's sort of the overview, and then there's the specifics. Shall we dive into the Mac, or have you got any thoughts on that? I've got a couple of thoughts on specifics. So Apple TV, I thought, wouldn't be as down as far as it is. I think they've done a really good job with the, the software updates we've had this year. They released some new hardware, but probably not in the last year. Um, but the hardware is fine. I don't think we need more hardware. So I'm surprised that's as down as it is. Um, wearables, I'm surprised, is so far down. But we may begin the detail because, to me, the AirPods are great. They keep turfing them out most years. They're fantastic. They need to do the maxes. We know this. I'm not surprised, though, that the watch is down because we've had two years, if not three years, of the same sort of setup. And the iPad, they did nothing last year. So no big surprises there. I'm hoping this year's the swing year for the iPad. That's what I'm I'm hoping for. It should be on hardware. We need the software to follow. It should be. Let's fire through the specifics then. So Mac, grade A minus overall. Average score was 4.2. Median score 4 last year, 4.2. So it stayed flat. Most of the commentary is around how good the Mac is, really, but how it's kind of... The reason it hasn't improved or worsened is because the M1 silicon, Apple silicon, was such a... You know, they had it out of the park. They've maintained that. They've not particularly got any faster, but they're excellent, well-made, reliable, fast, battery-efficient, well-supported, reliable pieces of hardware. And I think it's very hard to go anywhere with that. They're just good. I think they are good. It's a great time to be a Mac fan, isn't it? To have one of their laptops. They're fantastic. The desktops are very good. You've got the Ultra, you've got the Mini, you know you've got some really good desktops. You've got the night. I say some nice screens. They've got some good screens. It'd be great to see an update to them. I think the only thing they've got to deal with on the Mac that is the negative is the the, the lacking models that 8 gig of RAM in 2024 just seems stupid and the small hard drives. But it is what it is. They're trying to hit a price point. Yeah. That's definitely a negative. For me, it's not having a bigger iMac. It's absolutely not having more RAM and more SSD space as a standard. And what is the point of the Mac Pro? I mean, they're the only negatives in the lineup for me. They're always too pricey. That I'm not even going to, it's not worth going into that. I think there is a price point if you're willing to spend a bit more money that you can get into the Apple ecosystem and have a good time. But the, the, the nickel and diming on the upgrades and releasing a MacBook Pro that only comes with 8 gigs of RAM is, is dreadful. But. Even in light of that, I think the lineup is great. I think the MacBook Air is the best computer they've ever made. Overall best computer they've ever made. you got to spend a little bit more just to get up to that perfect spec. You, I, you won't need another computer for five or six years if you buy one of these. It's just a terrific machine. And if you look across the lineup and you are willing to spend, you'll find machines for that amount of money, be the desktops or laptops that, that, that fit that, and you can get on and do your compute with them, whatever that is. If it's just writing a few emails or it's doing science, you can find you can do it with a Mac, and I think that's a great place for the platform to be. I worry more overall about the state of Apple and their sort of security and their perception and their loss of developers. We'll come at that when we get a dev relations, but the halo is wearing off a little bit, and no matter how good the computers are or the hardware are, they need to be very cautious about that. Yeah, I would agree. I agree with everything you said, I think. Well, good. That's nice to summarize. Moving on, iPhone iPhone is up a little bit on last year. It's a grade A minus, average score 4.1, median score 4, last year 3.9, so made a bit of a gain. Again, I don't think this is entirely surprising. They, they had newish form factors, new materials, USB-C, better screens. Most of the pundits doing this won't have bought a bog standard iPhone, they'll have bought an iPhone Pro of some sort, and they're good devices. You know, There's not a lot to knock them for, really, other than being really boring cover, uh, colors. We talked about battery life already this podcast. What's your thoughts on this? 
surprised it's up. I thought it'd be a continuation. I know it's not up a huge amount, but I think the 15 and 15 Pro, they're very good, but they're not really that... There's not that much in there that's better than the previous year, and I think the colours are tragically disappointing. Um, so I'm surprised it's up, but it's a fantastic device. If somebody goes, I'm going to go buy an iPhone 15... We'd all go, yeah, that's a good phone. Crack on. Whether you're getting a 15 or a Pro, it doesn't matter. They're all fantastic. Yeah, they're lighter. They've got slightly better batteries, and the cameras get better every year. You know, they're more than fast enough at this point. The Pros came with a new button. i got to say, it's a fairly underwhelming feature. I forget to use it half the time. I press it by accident most of the time. I love it. <laughs> I have it on the camera. My only complaint with the button is I push it to open the camera. For me, it's just too high up to then use it to take a picture because often my some part of my hand is over the lens so for me i'd rather th- those side buttons should just drop down a little bit and it'd be perfect but now i use it all the time because I, t- I do take a lot of photos i have my phone in black and white mode i love taking black and white photos so i do probably use it more than i thought i would so i think overall it's solid i'd agree with a slight improvement over last year they need to be careful as we've talked about a couple of times in this show samsung is coming samsung is coming hard with interesting innovative phones with lots of new features on them ignoring the software just in the hardware be the folding phones you know be the the, the s24 ultra with interesting cameras faster more responsive I th- the, all the ai features they're building in i think that they very ne- very much need to be careful in, on the iphone uh, well that's why i'm t- surprised it's improved yeah i don't that's why i I find it odd usbc is nice but i'm surprised that they've rated the phone so highly i'll let you take us through the ipad what a year for the ipad hey no new hardware for the whole 12 months apart from a pencil yeah so the headlines for this is it scores a grade d from the pundits Uh, average score 2.4 median score 2 last year 3 but as you look at the trend it's been down since 2018 so scored a four well high point 2017 its high point was a 4.1 in 2017 it's then gone a 4 a 3.9 a 3.7 a 3.7 a 3 and now a 2.4 that is a continual decline how's that 2018 not its high year because that's when we came to the form factor we have now on the pros that was a good year and that design has really stood stood its tests till now so that's five years we've had the same design yeah i think it's a good year it is good on the whole to be an ipad pro user at the moment you can plug in screens you can use all the keyboards all the mice you want you can run four apps you can drag them around it's come a long way it's taken a long time to come a long way um so i'm a very happy on the whole ipad user but the fact they've released nothing in a year is just seems obscene to me and the software just doesn't move quick enough um so i'm not surprised it's down as far as it is but i'm hopeful we're going to have some good news i'm curious to see what they're going to do in ipad os 7 17 18 because i think we've had a reasonable release with 17 but there was not a lot in there for an ipad user this year yeah so the software as a whole disaster people are saying the only thing the the pundits are saying the only sort of high points in the ipad lineup are some changes to stage manager so it's not quite as broken as it was awesome Uh, and the fact you can get final cut pro and logic logic on there too so that's great these are incredibly powerful devices particularly in the m1 m2 end of them it's an m1 mac you know we're talking to each other on now they can run more than four apps they can you know they can do more than just run a cut down slightly cut down version of of the pro apps software is vastly disappointing then they don't update the hardware then you've got the confusing pencil story 
if the form factor hasn't changed, to make an iPad usable as a professional user, you need to stick it in some sort of case, be it a 90 quid, 100 quid case, or up to a 350, 450 quid case. That is unacceptable. And then the lineup is confusing. The software is poor. I'm not surprised the pundits are rating it down. Having said all that, if your workflow is built around an iPad or you want it for your kid or something, it's still an incredibly solid, stable device. So I do get the dichotomy here, but I'm with the pundits. I think it's not a surprise to anyone who listens to this regularly. It's been stunningly disappointing for the iPad for a long time for a device that had such potential and was so interesting when it was released. And we saw, we thought we were seeing the future. It was improving all the time. The software was getting better. It was responsive. You didn't need to turn it off. The battery life was great. That's the Mac now. Yeah, the, the Mac has caught up. And I think they had a period where they weren't sure what they're doing with the Mac. And it would have been interesting going, if they put all that energy into the iPad, would we all be on iPads by now? And, and would we've had a modern operating system? But actually what we've done, I'm sorry, by modern operating system, I mean a relatively new operating system whereas what they've done is obviously take what they've done on the iPad and backport it to the Mac so it is disappointing I'm curious to see what they do this year but I think as I said last week I'm curious to see I'm a little excited but I'm not in a rush I'm going to finish our iPad section with a quote from Leo Laporte because I mentioned him before no upgrades for a whole year but you can't really blame them for not improving an underperforming platform I wonder if their heart is really in it Maybe they will tell us and maybe they will sort the lineup out because the line, lineup has been very strange for a long time now. So I'd be curious to see what the story is and if they're going to do all the iPads in one go, then maybe it will make some sense again. Well, hopefully retire some because Tim Cook's Apple is not good at doing that. Moving on, wearables and Apple Watch. Grade B minus, average score 3.5, median score 4, last year 4.4. So a bit of a drop for wearables and Apple Watch. I think you said in your sort of summation when we were going to talk about all of this that the hardware hasn't really changed all that much in a couple of years. They tweaked the software a little bit. I'm not sure they made it better, particularly in iOS 10 are we on now. It doesn't feel particularly together. I mean, it's an adequate device. You, and the thing that sums it up for me is you've stopped wearing yours. So we talked about iPads on a decline. For me, the watch is on a decline. Now, part of it was because I wanted to wear a fancy-ish wristwatch a mechanical wristwatch but equally i think the the watch had done what i needed it got me in the habit of walking ten thousand steps a day i don't need notifications on my wrist i don't have any vibration turned on my phone i look at my phone from time to time it drives my family mad that sometimes i miss a message from them for 10 minutes but i can wait 10 minutes to get a message so the watch for me I think it's a bit like the iPad. It had a lot of promise. It's had some investment, but it just hasn't moved that quickly. And actually, I don't need another computer in my life. And I think that's why I'm reflecting on the Vision Pro at the moment in myself. Of Do I need another device to look to have? I've got a lot. I'm, I'm looking around in my office now. There are a lot of devices here. You know, there's a, a play date we spoke about. There's a TV behind me with an Apple TV on it. I've got an iPad. I've got a Mac. I've got my iPhone. I've got a MacBook. I've got obviously my Steam Deck. So... Do I need more devices? And that's kind of where I'd ended up with a watch of, actually, no, I don't need that. And I'd rather spend that, and I did buy an Ultra, I'd rather spend that £800 on something a bit nicer that will actually appreciate in value rather than something that just loses value every year. So for me, it's worked out all right, and I have carried on my 10,000 steps. I just use my phone to monitor it. I think the big driver for me in the end, though, was I could never really leave my phone behind. And that was the problem. I wanted to leave my phone behind and get away from notifications. But actually, I've done the inverse. I've got rid of my watch because I just never got to a position where I could leave my phone behind. So there you go. 
Yeah, I pretty much agree with you. I quite like my Apple Watch, but how much it adds to my life, I'm not sure. When I wanted to track my fitness a little more carefully, and certainly that was getting my steps in and all that kind of stuff, it was incredibly useful. But once you break those streaks, it becomes less so, and you sort of that dependency you become used to with it. I quite like having a computer on my wrist, but I don't think it adds that much. And the times when I have gone back to a more traditional watch, I've quite enjoyed having a more traditional watch on my wrist, frankly. It's quite nice to have that style. And as you say, they appreciate Apple Watches only depreciate from the point you put them out, take them out of the box. And in fact, if you're American, they're probably yes, less useful now than they ever used to be as they've lost the you know, the, the SpO2 sensor based on the Massimo trial. You shouldn't be buying a watch just to check your blood oxygen level. You should go and buy something more you know, accurate. If you need to check your blood oxygen level a lot, you're able to go to hospital. So I, I kind of get that sort of synergy between the two things. It's a luxury item in the Apple lineup for sure, unlike their headphones. So I'm going to transition smoothly to that, but I'm going to get in my, about the AirPods Max before you do. No, you've got something to say. Go for it. I was going to ruin your transition. I apologize. I was just going to say on the Apple Watch, surprised there's nothing with the Vision Pro with it because you've got to imagine a lot of people buying the Vision Pro have got an Apple Watch. So I'm surprised there's, there's no sort of integration there. I don't know what it might be, but... I'm surprised that maybe you could use it to do some controlling of the Vision Pro, like you can use it to take a photo in your iPhone. I, I just found that a, a strange omission, if I'm honest. And I'll let you move on. Yeah, most of the pundits, if you read this, are quite down on the Apple Watch, except John Gruber, who's quite up on it. He says it's great, new silicon on chip and all the rest of it. But he, he's one out of many that seems to see positive things in it. I'm going to move on to the AirPods now. I think the AirPods Pro are terrific headphones you know they've got good battery life they last well in the case i think it's been a very solid upgrade i think the standard airpods are they up to version 3 now are also very solid upgrade that's been in the last 18 months or so i want to say maybe a little bit longer now so i think from small portable headphones they're doing really well you know the airpods are ubiquitous you see them everywhere lots of people wear them i see more pros than i see standard ones these days certainly around the university now the ones you've got in your head right now, which are the AirPods Max, are £549. Nice looking headphones. Very limited in feature for what's now a three-year-old set of headphones, something like that. I think they might be older than that, but maybe you're right. Do you know what, though? Probably one of the best things I bought because they haven't been replaced yet. I love these things. I really want another pair and I want Apple to take my money. I would probably wait, though, until they're on amazon with 50 quid off because that's what i did with these because I, I did hover over buying these many times because it was a lot of money but i love them i find them very comfortable i think the quality is really good but they are outdated now my little airpods are technically better but i prefer the over what do you call these on ears over ears or over the head over yeah. the head yeah. headphones yeah. Um, i don't often wear them out and about but i do see them a lot more going into cities than i ever did they are still very popular i think so i'm disappointed they haven't updated these i agree with you on the airpods my son who had a phone i gave him my old pair of airpods my first pair of pros he's still getting great value out of them i've got a second pair of airpod pros waiting for him when he loses one or breaks one and and i will pass them down my wife's got a pair she loves them she doesn't use them as much as me she doesn't listen to as much spoken audio as me but i can see when my son gets his iphone when he's a bit older my second son he will get a pair of airpods to go with it because I think they're a necessity. If you're into musical books, they're so such a good device. So I think they're fantastic. I'm amazed Apple have never done a bundle. You buy a phone, get 20 quid off a pair of AirPods. It seems like a no-brainer. But maybe they don't need to. They don't need to. I, again, I think there are better headphones. There were always better headphones than the AirPods Pro. Uh, AirPods Max, sorry. Um, 
if you like them, you like them. The sort of limitations for them are far too high for me. I think other headphones sound better. The Sony's I'm wearing now, for my years when I've tried AirPods Max, sound better. And they're three generations old at this point. My daughter got Bowers and Willikins P2s for Christmas, which Ooh. are over half the price of what you've got in your head and sound a huge amount better. I mean, they're excellent uh, adaptive noise cancellation. They're incredibly comfortable. They've got beautiful cushions on them. They fold up not completely in the same way that my, my, my Sony's do and yours don't, but it's a far more portable package and the battery life on them is phenomenal. She got them at Christmas. She wears them every day. She's charged them once, which is just stellar. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? I do. I, lo- I love the AirPods though. Probably not so much for the sound in it. I, I think the sound's very good and I probably wouldn't notice any difference. It's the integration with the ecosystem. I just love all of that. You know, I can put them on, I can use the Apple TV, I can use my iPad, I can use my Mac. I, that's the bit I like with it. I think Vision Pro would technically fall into wearables. You and I have never touched one. It hasn't been in the market long enough. I'm going to skip over Vision Pro as part of the wearables lineup and maybe we'll talk about it next year. I think that's fair. Apple TV, grade C, average score 3, median score 3, last year 3.6. You've already said you think they had a better year than that with Apple TV. You're quite a heavy Apple TV user. I think you use a lot of the features. You've All, you, all the way through the beta, you talked, I'm putting words in your mouth, so I shouldn't I shouldn't do that so much. But but I think it's fair to say you're a fan. Uh, I'm a massive fan of the Apple TV. I've got four in my house, one on every TV. I've even got the fourth ones in my shed. I think it's a great device. My family all know how to use it. The only thing I don't like on it, sidebar, is the bit when you pause a, f- a film, a movie, depending on what app you're in, how you fast forward it and pause it. could be the pause button, the center button, and the jog jog wheel can be different. But on the whole, I think it's a great device, and all my family know how to use it and get the content they want on, on the telly. So I'm a massive fan of it. We don't have, we don't use any of the software built into our TVs. We've got four smart TVs, and they are, in essence, unplugged from the, the internet because we don't need to use them the apple tv does it the apps are very good we don't play any games on it we stream media so i'm a massive fan of it would i like a new box possibly i haven't got the latest one that came out but i don't think i really need it so you've got the latest one so that's where i'm at with it and i do think they did a great software update this year there was just lots of little features quality of life features and i think they've done a good job i'm curious to see will we get the apple tv software in the home pod as we spoke last week but i think three is unfair i think they could have carried it on at 3.6 because i think last year we had new hardware this year we had the os and i think the os has added a lot of value and it works on all the the h sorry the 4k versions so if you bought one three, four years ago, you're, you're still good to use it today. Yeah, the hardware hasn't really changed that much. The remote control is similar. It's just got a USB-C thing in the bottom of it instead of a lightning thing. You know, they improved that remote control, but anything would have been an improvement on the first generation Apple TV remote control. So I'm not surprised it went up a little bit then. The hardware is more than capable. Apple Silicon and chip is, is very good for the, the old iPhone you know, 15s or 14s or 13s or whatever is in there. For me, there's a couple of improvements to the software. You can do VPNs now, you can do FaceTime now, you can do Zoom and continuity camera. That's all good. But the actual interface for the thing hasn't really changed in years. You know, they've maybe improved it and tweaked it a little bit here and there, but the actual overall here is a grid of apps, click here to launch, hasn't changed. I think there are inconsistencies between the way, as you've said, some things fast forward, some things pause, some things to flick up to get the subtitles on. Or Sometimes it's down, sometimes it's up. So there's not enough coercion from the platform owner to say no this is the way you build a streaming app on apple tv i think that could be far more consistent between the apps and even that's just going from netflix to amazon to apple 
my fundamental bugbear with Apple TV is Apple TV itself, in the sense that the Apple TV app, why do I have to scroll so far to find what I was just watching? Why does it launch me straight into a TV show when I'm watching it? Why is it inconsistently paused between, I've got a lot of whys this week, you know, between if I pause in the living room and I go to my Apple TV somewhere else, sometimes it's a delta between those two things. That may be a limitation of iCloud or whatever it is they're choosing to do it, but it's not good enough. Other boxes can do better than that. I can pause YouTube on my phone. I can go and start it on my Apple TV and it's perfectly in sync. So it's a limitation of Apple. It's not a limitation of something else. So could do better, I think. is So I, I feel it's a fair score. They've made the bare minimum improvements to the software. They've, they've tweaked it here and there. And I'm not saying it's not better, but I don't think it's better enough. Mm, yeah, I can see that. I can see everything you say, but yeah, I I think I'm easily pleased on the Apple TV front just because I know I don't have to use my garbage TVs, but maybe that's just me. No, I think that it, it's fair. And you don't have a lot of experience with other streaming platforms or Roku boxes or the built-in stuff for your TV or all the rest of it. Uh, my final thought on this, and I'll let, I will let you talk this time, is it's obviously a problem, and, and we've talked about it before. Companies like the BBC don't support the 4K output for Apple TV because it's too much effort for them to do it, which says, A, there's not enough market share for them to do that, and it's too hard, or maybe that's an or it's too hard. So that's a problem for Apple, who want to be the overall global streaming platform of choice. It's expensive. It doesn't support all the features of all the streaming platforms. It's difficult for some of them to get on there, whereas your TV, it's got it all built in. So it needs to be much better than what comes with your TV or what comes with your Amazon Prime box or comes with your Roku stick. And I think for the majority of people, it's not that. Yeah, I'd forgotten about the BBC thing. I am frustrated with that. But um, now on the whole, I do like it. And it will take a lot to prize those out of my house, I think. Services. I don't have an awful lot to say about services, but they gave it a C plus Average score 3.3. Median score 3. Last year, 3.8. So down a little bit. Yeah, I think we can include a lot of things in services. We've been speaking about Apple TV. That's part of it. I think the content is good with the exception of Criminal Record Masters of the Year, uh, Shining Girls, and the other thing I tried to watch and gave up on this year. Uh, but other than that, I think there's enough good shows to pull it through. Apple Music frustrates the hell out of me in that it's quite a good service. They've added a couple of other bits and pieces to it. But why are things like your replay or your wrap-up, why are you forced to go to a web app for that? If we include iCloud, I'm, this is my final thought on this, if we include iCloud in that, that's still a slightly opaque, weird service to me that I don't really understand what's going on with it. It's the inconsistency for things like syncing that we've talked about before now is one thing. I watch developers trying to make use of the new Swift data protocol to sync data between services. And sometimes it syncs and sometimes it doesn't. And these are developers with controls to the API. So I think my word for Apple services that I have to apply, and I'm, I'm glad it scored lower, is inconsistent. Because they are. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. I was just thinking about Apple services as you were talking. I do like, I like, I pay for the iCloud piece because I get my photos all backed up. Big tick. Why can't I back my Mac up? Um, Apple News Plus, I dip in and out of it, but it's not worth anything to me. Apple Music, I use it all the time. I love Apple Music, but it could be better. They could add more, do more with it, I think. And it's amazing how slowly it's moved forwards because if you look at Apple Music today, it hasn't changed much in the last, I don't know, five years or so. It's just slowly iterated, which is surprising because it's massive. Um, Apple TV Plus, I generally quite like it. I'm quite comfortable with it. It's a nice bolt-on. So that's that's probably where I'm at with everything. And I don't really use Fitness Plus. Fair. Uh, I think it's a good deal, but there's some pointless elements in there. You know, we're locked in. We're in the Apple ecosystem. The fitness thing is occasionally useful. I've been doing some skiing workouts. Go me. I quite like that, but there's there's too many negative things hanging around, sort of polluting the platform like a bad smell, really. 
And um, it's not cheap yeah. for what we have, though, because it's, it's gone up and you're spending £360 a year on, on your Apple One subscription. I don't know why they call it Apple One when there's multiple tiers, but there you go. I'm going to gloss over HomeKit and Home Automation because I don't think there's anything to say other than it's no better than it has been. Uh, hardware reliability remains consistently high. I'd agree with that. Now we go to the butterfly keyboard. There's no glaring hardware errors, particularly anywhere in the Mac lineup as far as I can see. It's not uh, just about the Mac, by the way. I know that, but I think it's true across the platform. You don't I hear about your... Yeah. completely agree with you. I think their hardware is fantastic. I think you don't hear of any major issues outside the butterfly keyboard, which was years ago. So no, agreed. And similarly, software quality, I think, is, is has improved an awful lot. Uh, despite all the bits and pieces we talk about from week to week, the security lapses and all the rest of it, they largely stay on top of it. They do scan for malware, as we've, as we've discussed already on this show. I think it's, I don't know if it's improving, but it's maintaining a fairly sort of stable thing. And the scores were a B, average score 3.6, median score 4, last year 3.4. So I think it's of a piece. And most of the pundits, as you read that, it's it's good enough at the moment. It could always be better. It's a bit eh, a bit boring, but it maintains its sort of standard. If you look at the uh, chart, can you guess which year iOS 13 came out? iOS 13 backwards. iOS 13 would be what 2018 something like that. 2019 when it dipped to 2.7 because that was a if you remember it lived up to its 13 moniker. It was a bad year. Um, no, I think to be fair, they are doing an amazing job of software quality. 3.6 feels a bit low for a company with billions of devices shipping updates every month you know we're getting beaters all the time i think their software quality should be they, they should be rated higher than that because i do think they're doing a good job there's always going to be edge cases they're supporting operating systems how many have we got now like six operating systems or something silly so i think it should be higher because i think on the whole they're doing a very good job i think they're too slow for a company with that many things and we could pull apart things like system settings which has got no better for a number of years with two releases of the operating system you could point at their inability to bring apps to the platforms all at the same time you know we talked about apple classical we've talked about apple sport this podcast i don't feel they bring a consistent experience across the platform and they are the platform vendor if anybody can it's apple so i think it's a deserved score yeah but yeah is that software quality though yeah maybe you're right it is um, software quality. You, the, you, they've given us developer tools which let you bring one app to the watch, to the phone, to the TV, to the iPad, to the Mac. What the hell, <laughs> frankly. They, they do need to get better at plugging those holes. Yeah. In general, they're reliable. There are not lots of viruses around. They're secure enough. The notification center is appalling. You know, the first run experience is appalling. But there's enough, even for me as a seasoned back user, there's enough good stuff still on the platform that I'm happy with it. I won't jump. I said uh, we have a show title from a few weeks ago. You'll, you can, I'll give up my, fo- my iPhone before I give up my Mac. And I genuinely mean it. I like so much about the Mac that it's, it's a harder switch for me than anything else. But that doesn't mean I can't be critical of the platform. And I think it's good, but it could be better. Yeah, okay. That's fair enough. Thank you very much. Uh, moving on, developer relations. Grade C, average score 3, median score 3, last year 2.8. Not really improving. In fact, I'm surprised it's gone up a bit given everything that's happened recently. I think they probably went up because obviously we're back in person. They're, they're doing stuff. They did the vision labs. But I agreed with you, there's also been a lot of negativity around how they're handling the EU piece and the lack of developing on, you know, the lack of apps on the Vision Pro at launch. So I'm surprised as well, if I'm honest. So... I think John Gruber, who, who I haven't been agreeing with very much recently, I'm going to agree with. 
John Gruber wrote, third year in a row with the same comment. Resentment over App Store policies continues to build. Frustrations with the App Store review process seem unimproved. Apple's goal should be for developer relations to be good, be so good that developers want to create software exclusively for Apple platforms. The opposite is happening. And that says the story for me. Yeah, I think he has summarized it well. He has summarized it very well. Uh, and last uh, category, environmental, social, and societal impact has gone down. It's picked up a little bit 2021-2022, but we've got a grade B, average score 3.8, median score 4, last year 3.4. So I think Apple is guilty of a little greenwashing, maybe a lot of greenwashing. They talk a very good game about solar panels and recycled materials and all the rest of it, but they still make a huge amount of money and have a huge environmental footprint. So it's okay. Must try an awful lot harder. And I'll never forgive them for that Mother Nature video. I'd forgotten about that Mother Nature video. That was pretty horrific. So what am I saying? I'm thinking, I think they, they've done better this year, 100%, with what they announced on some of the Apple Watch. Um, immediately that case you had, they shouldn't have bothered releasing it because it was awful, even though it might be good for the environment. I don't know why, why they, they obviously started so high. I'm surprised they started as high as they did. But the world's changed and people are probably setting a higher bar for companies like Apple to, to adhere to. I think they're doing a lot of the right things. But wow, they've got a long, long way to go. I, um, I think they're saying a lot of the right things. I'm not okay. sure they're doing a lot of the they're right things. They're saying a lot of the right things, but they should invest that, that money, 100%. They've got all the money. Start investing some of it. You've got a big enough worn chest, so why can't you bring forward some of the things you're doing? I have no idea how they're going to make their phone hit some of these goals. I'm curious to see that because they sell them in such quantities. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they do that one and still keep their margins. Yeah, well, it's it's a it's a troublesome topic. There's lots of rare earth metals in there. They've got questionable working practices in some of the places they are. They're moving to countries that also have questionable working practices in the management of their workers. Those factories and things like that they claim are part of the supply chain to be part of it, but then they go and do things like make things very difficult to repair. And and as we saw last week in the Oregon case, they're actively fighting against right to repair in some places. They glue batteries and things like that into the laptops and their phones they make it very difficult to get out it, it, it's a it's a dichotomous story they're saying on one hand they're saying aren't we great at producing all these things we're going to stick them in boats and ship them around the world but they shouldn't have to ship them around the world they should make them easier to repair your phone should last a little bit longer you artificially limit your battery so i i, I don't want to be all positive because it's very easy to jump on the, the 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 freight train of apple going look how great we are we make eco-friendly ca uh, cases which fall apart we, you know, the Apple Watch this year is made of whatever it was, 70% recycled materials. I can't remember the exact number. I might be way off with that. But it's a very small niche product that not many people buy. People buy iPhones. What's going on with that? Tell us about that. Where's your story around that? So I almost feel 3.8 and a rising is too generous for Apple. They should be more on a straight line until we have a better feeling for what all these things actually mean. To say nothing of artificially obsoleting software. And they've got, they've got a number of court cases ongoing in France and other places about that. So I think you want to hold your fingers to the fire you know, for a company as, with as big a global impact as Apple is on their green side. Yeah, I think so. What you're saying holds true. I'm super curious this year to see what they're going to do around, you know, what 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 hardware will run the latest version of iOS? Are they going to start doing a Google, do the seven-year thing? Because they have been aging out devices a lot quicker lately. It works and it feels that way. I think you're right. They've got a long way to go. It feels like they're doing more than most. Well, they're telling us to do more than most, but they've they've still got plenty to do. 
and it's going to be interesting to see how they keep messaging it because they should be doing it every six months when you're getting a, a keynote together there should be an update right now the apple tv tick we've we've taken this out of it we've made it with this we're not gonna make it with plastic anymore and you know we're going to use a different you know easier to get older material it's going to be made out of recycled water bottles or, or whatever it may be so curious to see where they go with it but i think they should invest more of their money into it they don't need all this money what, what are they going to do with it fight court case and um, there is that there is that Okay, enough on the Apple report card. I think we've made our feelings fairly clear. There's positives, there's some negatives, and there's room to grow. Um, and let's end up with a fun little piece because we're going to go along as as promised. There are two stories in here. We'll just talk about the one, which is the worst Apple products of all time. The early art, uh, earlier article that begins with worst products of all time, the Apple USB hockey puck mouse. Did you ever use one of these? I used one, but I never had one. So I just used it occasionally. Would I call it the worst product of all time? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's I had to live co- through it. It's in good company here, though, isn't it? So it wasn't a great mouse. I didn't mind it as much as some. They very quickly changed it and elongated it to make it a more normal-sized mouse while still retaining the color and all the rest of it. However, those keyboards were great. <laughs> those keyboards were cool. I always wanted one of them because you had USB on the side and you could turn the computer on by pushing the power button on the keyboard. How is the butterfly keyboard not in here? I know it's not a standalone product, but surely that's got to be up there. You're giving away what else is in this list now. So oh, sorry. Point two, Siri remote. The original Siri remote was talked about. You're looking at the 10 worst Apple products, not the 11 worst Apple products, just in case you're looking at the wrong list, Chris. The original Siri remote with a swipey surface that would always get lost in the side of the sofa. They've solved this problem by making it chunkier. Wow, okay. I, I am on the 11 one. Sorry, have I missed something? What have I missed here? 10 worst Apple products of all time. 10. Sorry, I am on the wrong one. I apologize. That's why I was getting confused. That's, that's my fault for putting both links and I apologize. Hockey puck mouse. Yes, agreed. Right. Siri remote. See, this this remote was problematic, but I don't think it was that bad. It was pretty bad. I think yeah, I just got go- used to it. Uh, you had to pick it up so gingerly, also to pick it up by the edges. It was too easy to advance, click, and zip through your content and all the rest of it. Uh, having recently destroyed one by dropping it in my coffee, it's quite fragile as well. So, you know. I just quite liked it because the current one gets very cold when you pick it up sometimes because it's all, all metal. But um, I I didn't mind that one. The, the current one does feel a little bit of a step back because it's a lot chunkier, but I think they were going for the chunky so it felt like you had something in your hand. You wouldn't put this on a worse list then? Not the remote, no. Okay. Uh, E.Mac Mobile Me. The service so bad that they had to rename it multiple times. There might be a certain rose-tintedness from you and me because we got .Mac addresses out of this. Now gone, or mine's gone because I didn't pay for the thing. I've still got mine. You've still got yours because you paid for it earlier. I was too mingy to pay for it to begin with. E-World, I think, was a dial-up back in the day then, which we didn't get in the UK. Mobile B, I do remember. It was when they were launching their iWork suite and all the rest of it. Never worked very well. Back to my Mac, never worked. I think I got to work once the whole time we had it. And I think its legacy lives on slightly in iCloud, and we've already talked about all the issues there. Online services, not Apple's strongest suite. Agreed. On the whole, I don't mind them. Mobile Me, the only thing I really liked from it is I had my email address at me.com, which is quite nice, nice and short. I don't think I've got fond memories of either. I did like mobile me. I like the concept of it. It took them a while to get it ready, and that was then it became iCloud. 
Still not great. iPod Hi-Fi is the next on our list. I never had one. I know people swore by them. Very quickly obsoleted by the fact it used the classic dock and had no line in. Or No, it did have a line in, didn't it? It did. I'm, I'm amazed they, got, they don't do more of these kind of iPhone things because why wouldn't you? I thought this was quite a cool thing. I never had one, but I always wanted one. I think the problem with them was that the device manufacturers very quickly realized putting a proprietary dock connector or a lightning connector on them was a, a hiding to a bad sign because Apple changed the devices all the time. It's probably less of an issue these days with USB-C, but Bluetooth very quickly killed off this kind of thing. I think, yeah, Bluetooth was the, the killer. The thing with the dock, though, it lasted 10 years. Lightning lasted 10 years, but we, we had very few lightning products like this. And then, obviously, USB-C, is, you don't get a lot of them because it is all... And Bluetooth now. Yeah, they didn't go to Lightning because they got burned so badly with a dock connector. Bowers and Willikins made a, a, dock, a dock connector. The Royal Navy made a warship with dock connectors, you know, wow. for, in, in the sailors' cabins. All those hotels you still go to these days have alarm clocks with dock connectors, so I'm not surprised. I don't know, I wouldn't blame the iPod Hi-Fi for killing this kind of accessory, but it was the wrong product at the wrong time. I was just looking at iPod Hi-Fis on eBay. They still go for $100. pounds. Not worth it. There you go. Next on the list, butterfly keyboard. Absolutely one of the worst things Apple's ever done. And I apologize for ruin, ruining this, but I, I agree. I think it was rubbish. And what was worse, I think, was that they just didn't deal with it quicker. They were just too slow to turn the ship. And I know Apple's a big company, but they're just too slow to turn some of their ships sometimes. I, I remember getting this keyboard with the original MacBook, I think was what it was launched in in 2015. And I didn't actually mind the feel and travel of the keys. I did mind when dust got into it and my keyboard stopped working though. Yeah, that is problematic. They they just let it go on too long. It's it's so infuriating because it's it is a home goal, isn't it? Dreadful. Next one, Apple Maps launch. It's funny seeing all the Chrome uh, on the Apple Maps launch uh, picture on this. Yeah, the launch did not go well, and there's a great illustration of it in the picture of of cars being flattened under bridges and things like that. It was a really bad look, and it was actively dangerous. I've told the story a couple of times of Apple Maps trying to take me the wrong way down the motorway in, in the UK because it decided I wanted to drive on the other side of the road. So, yeah, a disastrous launch. It has got better. Disastrous launch. They had the good idea, though, doing these vector maps that we now all, all use, but they launched it and they didn't deal with it rightly enough, and they should have maybe rolled it out in phases. They went for everywhere. Um, but they had to get off Google, and I guess that was their timeline. So I agree, this was pretty bad. If you remember back those days, it was not good. But to be fair, they stuck with it. They've solved it. But they should have had a better rollout plan that wasn't worldwide in like a wanna. They just it's too big a too big an ask to do it. Whereas actually, what they've been doing with the newer maps is they do a region by region. It's a much more sustainable way of doing it. Absolutely, the AirPods Max Smart Case. I'll let you tell us about that because you presumably own it. Yes, somewhere here my AirPods will be going in it in a minute. It is rubbish, but equally, probably the best thing about it is it doesn't take up any more space because the AirPods are so big already. So from that perspective, it's probably okay. But um, what really gets me, and you can't see in the picture, but the the little cutout so you can plug the charger in whilst it's in the case is in the wrong place. It just feels very odd for a £500 product um, to not have the right thing case. I'm glad it's that small. I'm happy with that. But the headphones need to fold and then you'd have a better case. But yeah, the case is rubbish for what is a premium product. So for the for our YouTube watchers, my headphones fit into that case. Does that come with it? Yeah. 
And it came with a USB-C cable, and it came with an airplane connector, so you can plug the wire when you choose to wire it, as I've got now, into an airplane seat as well. Yeah, my fire in Japan AirPods did not come with any of that. Disappointing! Mac Pro 2013 model. This was the trash can Mac Pro. This, was, this wasn't when Phil Schiller said courage, but it was in the same keynote, I think. Can't innovate my arse, that's what he said. That's, that's what he said, can't innovate my arse. Yeah, they couldn't innovate. The design was thermally challenged. It had two in ATI uh, graphics chips in there that you couldn't upgrade. It overheated and they wrote themselves into a thermal corner and then publicly had to come out and do the new new shape Mac Pro in 2015, 2016. No, it was after that, it was like 2018, wasn't it? 2019. God, it was 2019. So six years they stuck with this design. They were still making them, and it was a dog. It looked like a trash can dog. I'm, I'm not sure they've really updated it, though. They did typical Mac Pro. Bring one out, leave it for donkey's years, keep selling it at the same price. This is probably the spiritual predecessor to the Mac Studio that we now have, which is very good, but obviously it's a very different chip inside it. I think the current Mac Pro is far too big for what you get. This was far too small for what you got. So... Yeah, they just don't have form in the Mac Pro. It's a, it's a device, I think, ever since this version, they've really struggled to get it right. Maybe the last Intel one was very good, um, but it was very expensive. Next up, iPod socks. I don't think we should say a lot about these. They weren't very expensive, but they were a complete waste of money. I agreed. And last but not least, the third generation iPod Shuffle, an iPod with no controls on it whatsoever. Yeah, this was like wishful thinking. And this was before Siri existed. So imagine the only way you could talk and do your music was through your voice. A bit like when they did the Apple Music voice-only subscription, which didn't last very long, because they should have known nobody wants to just talk to something. It doesn't work. It is infuriating at best. So it looked beautiful, but what a stupid device. So there you go. Ten fun products that Apple are. They don't always get it right. And a special mention from one from the other list, the Pippin Bandai, which was Apple's gaming console that went absolutely nowhere. Bit like gaming on the Apple TV. Bit like gaming yeah. on the Mac. Bit like gaming on insert Apple platform here. Except the phone where they can be scammy. The phone kind of works, but it's they could do more with it. You've got all that power, but yet you don't use a controller with it. They, there's so much more you could do, I think, with the phone. They've got Slay the Spire. Moving on, uh, app of the week from me is something called Mackie. It's a clipboard manager. You can visit the website and you can put in $0 and you can download it. It can store hundreds of things in your clipboard. It's really quite powerful. It's really quite good. I've got my map to shift option C, which brings up a menu with everything you've ever stuck in the clipboard. Uh, you can have hotkeys to command two, for example, for the third thing or the fourth thing. Uh, it's just quite nice to have a clipboard history kept for that long. You can give the developer six pounds in the App Store if you want to, but if you just want to try it out, you can put zero and, and, and get it down from there. Really good app. Yes, it replicates functionality I've got built into Raycast or Alfred or whatever my launcher of the week is, uh, but it's just a really good solid, solid app, and it makes a great little noise when you copy a bit of text and sucks it into its clipboard. It's great. I think the, the noise might annoy me, if I'm honest, but um, no, it does look very good, and you can even look at the source code and everything. Fair play. Yep, fair play. Good app. Solid. Thing of the week. So my thing of the week, not a sponsor. I've gone for Jimmy's Iced Coffee, which I'm holding up to the camera. Because I was thinking, do you know what? I really like these. And I probably buy too many of them. But I love Jimmy's Iced Coffee. And I've always loved it since they came out in the UK. So that's my thing of the week. A refreshing iced coffee beverage. 
you've been sipping it all the way through the podcast, so maybe you need to get in touch with Jimmy and ask him for some podcast money, sponsorship money. I just always liked them since they came out. They used to be in a cool square carton, like an old milk carton, and on the side of it, they had a real classic 80s like Mercedes van as, as a really cool artistic picture. And I just thought it was a great product, great branding. I don't like the more recent branding that they've they've elected to go with, but I just it's just a product I enjoyed and would recommend it, and it tastes great. I've never heard of it. You uncultured swine. I can't think what film that's from. But um, yeah, get, you get them everywhere. They're in all the supermarkets. Fair enough. I think we can call that show, Chris. Yeah, I think so. So look, if anybody wants to get into contact, Rod is at g5maniac at maston.scot. I am at underscore cgp at maston.social. You can watch us on YouTube at t.ly slash 7w5ta. I think I got that right. And you can drop us an email at wakefromsleep at protonmail.com. Cheers, Rod. Talk to you next week, Chris. Cheers.